What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Casual Big Ten Podcast. Today is Thursday, July 20th, 2023. We are in the heat, right smack dab in the middle of our preseason preview episodes. And today, I'm joined by Matt Sheehan. He runs Locked on Spartans. He's on YouTube. He's on Twitter. That's where I found him. He's all over the place. He's all over the state of Michigan talking to anyone that will listen about the Michigan State Spartans. I was one of those people that he talked to. I was actually on Matt's show on the uh, July 4th episode. We discussed Michigan State's five and a half win total, the over-under, and uh, had a great time on his show. So after you listen to this, go over to his show and watch that one too because, you know, he needs more views, guys. He only got like 2,000 views on that. And I'm over here getting like 20. So go help him out a little bit. All right. No, Matt was a great time, though. I love talking to him. I hope I can go to a game with him someday. He's just like a ball of energy, and I would love to go to a football game with him at Spartan Stadium even. That'd be fun. Uh, One quick note on the bottom. If you're watching on YouTube, I have this little text scrolling thing that I do. I was just watching back my interview with Matt, and uh, I have a confession. I use pretty much the same text, and I just switch out the names for every interview. And one of the times on that interview I did with Max, <laughs> with Max, it says Alex, not Matt. And uh, I missed that, guys. You know, sometimes I make mistakes, but I'm man enough to admit it. So if you're watching on YouTube, no need to comment. I saw it already. I messed up. But uh, other than that, great interview. Love talking to Matt. Make sure you're following Sheehan Sports on Twitter. And uh, make sure that you're enjoying this interview as much as I enjoyed making it. All right, joining us now is Matt from the Locked On Spartans podcast. He's also on Twitter. He has by far my favorite. Not It's not even really a competition. By far my favorite Twitter name. He's the Fireball Sommelier. Uh, yes. It's Matt. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about some Spartan football. I'm excited, man. I mean, God, we are this Friday is going to be 10 Fridays away from game day. So I'm starting to feel it in my bones. I can feel the cinnamon whiskey waft into my nose here. I'm excited to get after it, man. So, no, thanks a lot for having me on. Appreciate it. I'm so disappointed because my wife just went on a girl's trip and she brought me back some cinnamon um, moonshine. And I was going to bring it up here. I was going to have it right here on the show and I forgot to grab it right (laughs) before we started. But uh, I'm going to try that. I'll let you know how that goes. Please do. Yeah, no, that that's rolling into uh, football season with a game face on, with, with the moonshine. Love it, man. You mentioned Fridays. Are you excited that the first game's on Friday? Last year, I was at the game uh, against Western Michigan. It was on Friday. It was a freaking blast. Um, I like the Friday night games, and it really gets you, like, juiced up for the rest of the season. How do you feel about it? I absolutely love them. Yeah, I think they've done Friday games something like – five of the last six home games to start the season. I mean, that, that number could be off, but it, it's been kind of a tradition, so to speak, in the last decade here at Michigan State, and they don't let you tailgate until 4 p.m. because it's a school day, and it's all about the children and the <laughs> academics and whatever, sure. But we've hacked it where we go to the local golf course at, like, oh. noon, and you start tailgating there. So, like, yeah. you game the system. You really start your tailgate at noon. Then you go over to the lots at, like, 4 or 5 o'clock, and then you just – well, I do whatever you do at tailgate. And I don't know, it got a little fuzzy last year. But uh, yeah, that's that's how you game the system. So no, I love, love, love Friday night openers for Michigan State. 
And it was fuzzy for me too. We didn't have it that good. We just started at the hotel and then headed out. Cause same thing. Like they didn't open the parking lots until whatever time it was. So we were like, I guess we will just start here and then go over there. (laughs) It worked out though. Sure. It always does in these lands. It always finds a way to work itself out and have a good time no matter what time the tailgate starts, man. You got it. Uh, tell us real quick right here at the top about your podcast, what you guys talk about, um, who else is usually on the show and uh, things like that. Yeah, for sure. It's Locked on Spartans uh, five days a week, except for two months. In June and July, we, we get lazy. We scale back just to three days a week here, but it is constant Michigan State football and basketball talk around the clock. We'll have you know, media members on. We'll have sometimes some former players on working on a current coach. We had the women's basketball coach on not too long ago. So like, if there's buzz in East Lansing at Michigan State, we're, we're going to end up talking about it. So yeah, I've been doing that for, oh God, about three years now at this point. So uh, when I'm not doing that, I'm just acting like a clown on Twitter. Uh, it's all that fun stuff. So yeah, <laughs> that's me. Just an absolute homer of a fan with a microphone and a webcam in order to do a podcast. So that's where I'm at, man. What players have you had on? I'm interested. Uh, so we did. This was during the COVID year. We had Kirk Cousins on. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Jarrell Worthy. We had Kenny Goings of the basketball team. Matt McQuaid. Um, wow. Brian Lewerke is an old quarterback. So we, no, the Kirk Cousins was the best one because we used COVID to our favor. This was like early in the shutdowns when no one was doing anything. So I reached out on his website. There's just a contact for him. Like, hey, if Kirk is bored to smithereens because we all are right now, we're yeah. all just inside our house. If he's got 30 minutes, we'd love to have him on. And then sure enough, yeah, he was indeed bored enough to come on our podcast. So that was pretty fun too. That's yeah. incredible. I'll have to go back and listen to that one. That sounds really interesting. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. We talked about the, uh, the Wisconsin game where they won the Hail Mary. That was like the thesis of the show, but got a little off tangent here sometimes. But it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. That tends to happen on the, uh, these types of shows. Um, let's talk yeah. about the off season. What's been going on with Michigan state. Um, I feel like he's a hot topic every year. It's Mel Tucker, the head coach. Um, He's been there for three years now, 32 and 18. He did have the Peach Bowl win. He does have a bowl victory, which is more than other coaches can say sometimes in that state. (laughs) Sure. And then um, obviously last year, pretty disappointing season going five and seven. How do the fans feel about the job he's doing? And then if I could just ask a follow-up on top of that, if Michigan State did want to get out from Mel Tucker – What's the contract situation even like? Are they able to? Yeah, let's just talk about that just first and foremost, because that's what I hear from. I'll just call it that like uneducated fans, perhaps. Or if you're on the outside of Michigan State, like you don't have to educate yourself. But it's like more so the Michigan State fans that I feel like almost annoyed by. It's like, oh, well, Mel Tucker's on the hot seat this year. Uh, no, he's not. <laughs> when you sign a $95 million contract and the buyout is just whatever's left of that contract. Hey, guys, we're not going to shell out. $80 million to buy him out after one bad season. Like we are in this marriage probably until at least 2026 or 27, because yeah, it's a big number. So is there a hot seat? Absolutely. Positively not this year, unless there's a new story one day where there's just like five hookers on his front lawn and <laughs> I, like some in- incredibly insane story that there's no hot seat. So just right. get that out of the way. Now, how the fan base feels on him. I, I do feel like we are on the brink of like a civil war in this fan base because look after the peach bowl year, I mean, his, his approval rating was higher than like Kim Jong-un's over in North Korea. Like it, it, like his numbers were through the roof. They were at 99%. And then you can just go ahead and slash that right in half because uh it turns out when you don't make a bowl game, people get a little upset about that. And it was just the style they missed that bowl game into. Like there were some on-field coaching blunders, some late game mishandling of the clock, some odd play calls here and there, but 
at the end of the day, you, you can point at maybe this is a roster talent gap sort of thing. Because, look, I, I love Mark D'Antonio like a family member. He's given me some of the greatest memories I've had in my entire life. But good God, man, um, did you really mail it in at, at the end of his tenure with just absolute lack of recruiting? He had one class that didn't have a single four-star in it, another class that had only two four-stars in it. And well, when Mel Tucker walked into that football building when he got hired – there's a reason he asked about 25 kids immediately in the transfer portal. And it wasn't just because Mel Tucker was bored. It's because he looked around and saw that this isn't really a power five roster here. So he is building it from the ground up. Yeah. Yes. I think the perception was changed big time when Kenneth Walker comes here and brings us to a peach bowl. And it's like, Oh my God, this rebuild's going so fast. Yeah. A little bit of a mirage in the desert there. But again, this is going to be a big year for him because we have to finally start seeing something here from Mel. Like this is going to be a good litmus test year. Just not a hot seat here because, again, uh, a lot of money on that contract. For not just like what he's going to do coaching wise, but do you feel like things are shifting a little bit more towards the positive than what happened last year from like recruiting and transfer portal stuff? Yes, I do. And that's a big knock for Mel Tucker's like, oh, he uses the portal too much. It's like, well, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, no. you got a lot of good players in the portal the first few years. And even this cycle, you know, he's filled a lot of gaps position wise with guys that are talented in the portal. So it is going better. Last year, even off a of five and seven season, he still signed a class that had 10 four stars in it, which is, I think, the most Michigan State has had in a single class since the recruiting rankings have begun in 2000. So even off a bad season like that, still a pretty solid recruiting class. So we are getting better talent on here. It's just you got to start seeing it match up on the field. Now, again, it might be asking a little bit too much this year because okay, the, the first recruiting class he had, it was all done over Zoom, basically. It's the COVID class. Yeah. And, like, is that an excuse? I, I genuinely don't think so. Like, there's only one kid in that class that actually visited campus physically. So after that, the actual kids that got to visit campus and, you know, coaches get to know the players, players get to know the coaches in person, they're only going to be true sophomores this year. So it is still early, but again – Let's just see us tidy up like the, the late game management, the odd play calls. So that's just baby steps here. Baby steps w would be nice. I just want to see, you know, signs that our head coach can competently coach, which I don't think is too much to ask for. But yes, uh, I, I got a little away from your question there. I do think that the talent uh, pickups have been uh, a little better, especially considering, you know, they didn't even go to a bowl game last year. Right. Um, you did get some guys in the transfer portal, but you lost some too. I heard you talk about uh, Peyton Thorne a little bit on your show, um, yeah. how that might not be as big of a loss as it looks like on the surface level. Um, but Keon Coleman, there's no two ways about it. He's a great, great wide receiver, and he's gone as well. Um, talk about that a little bit, and do you think that that's replaceable at any level, even by committee, for especially Coleman? It's going to have to be uh, because there really is no alpha in the room. Like Trey Mosley, he comes back. This is going to be his 17th year at Michigan State. but <laughs> And he's a solid player. He's one of my favorite players. I, I call like him, him Mr. too. Lyle. I like him a lot. Oh, I, He's a technician with his routes. He has sure hands, but he's just not a guy that's going to burn anyone with like a 4-3-40 time down the sideline or moss anyone. Like he's, he's just a route technician who's really good at his dig routes, his underneath routes, sure hands. But other than him, like, you hear that, you know, there's good talent in the receiver room, like Jerron Glover, Tyrell Henry, Christian Fitzpatrick, Antonio Gates Jr., um, Tory Foster. But we just haven't seen it. I mean, just because these guys are so young, they haven't played. They were kind of jammed. Because, well, guy by the name of Jaden Reed was there and Keon Coleman as well. But everything we're hearing from the spring is that, yeah, hey, these guys are good. It's just none of them have the traits that like Keon had. You know, being six foot four and being able to jump out the gym – 
And sure, that's a pun for basketball because he would just win these jump balls all the time. But it is going to have to be a by committee thing. But there, there's no way to put lipstick on it like that. That one hurt. Uh, that like Peyton Thorn. Okay, fine, sure. You know what? Is my favorite thing in the world? Eh, maybe not. But I could deal with it. I won't lose any sleep on that. Keon Coleman, I, I, I haven't been right ever since he's left. <laughs> so, but again, I mean, it's just so much unproven talent. I, I guess the best way to put a bow on it is just saying like I am hopeful. But, man, I think it's just going to be a more reliance on the run game this year because, man, I mean, the the, the pass game of where it would be with Keon it was fine, and now it's just a, a bonafide mystery with him out of here. Was there any truth to the rumors that he might be playing uh, basketball at um, Florida State? This, this would be the first time I'm hearing that. I would be shocked if he is because he made the decision not to join the team last year uh, for the Michigan state basketball team. And it was a decision that, you know, by all the statements put out to the media that he made, you know, like he realized that he's going to be this NFL guy. So I think that the NFL is his main focus. It should be. I I guess like that this kid also did get up and leave Michigan state at midnight and no one saw that coming. So maybe it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world for him to suit up down there uh, in Tallahassee. And, I don't and remember where I heard that from, but I just felt like that might have played a dis- like a role in his decision to leave. Is that because he's still? I don't know why I was thinking that. Maybe that's completely false on my part. I, don't I mean, know. You, you you honestly can't rule it out though. Like he is kind of a wild card of a kid, and maybe he does think that he can be this dual sport guy. And I don't think anyone down at Florida State is going to tell him no because if I remember correctly too, I mean, God, he might start for Florida State basketball uh, if they're anywhere how they were last year. I don't I don't remember that being a good season for the Seminoles yeah. unless I'm. Horribly misremembering things, but yeah. Right. Um, so you got you got those guys leaving. Is there a name that we can um, kind of attach to from the transfer portal that came in? And please tell me it's Michael Oshag Hennessy. Uh, it's going to be Nathan Carter. Uh, oh, is that close darn. enough to that name or, or no? <laughs> so, nah. I like Nathan I was really Carter. excited about the punter's That's- name, though. I know it's it it like it sounds just like the greatest St. Patrick's Day name of all time. Um, no, it's it, it's got to be Nathan Carter, and he was a running back at UConn who played the first four games last year, missed the rest of the season due to a shoulder injury. But before he left for the well, I guess for good, he never came back to UConn. Obviously, he was a leader in the nation at yards after contact, and Michigan State last year in the run game, man, it was atrocious. Uh, there, there's no way to make it, you know, pretty whatsoever. It was really bad. And they really struggled with specifically at like third and two, fourth and one, those short yarded situations. Cause like, yes, the offensive line had some injury issues. Jalen Berger, he took a while to come a lot at the end of the season, but behind him, like Jarek Broussard, who is built like a Kentucky Derby jockey. Like and now, now we have Nathan Carter, who is just built with negative body fat. Like this guy is absolutely ripped beyond belief. He is a powerful back the minute he gets the ball. And also Jaron Mangum as well, a transfer from South Florida. So they beefed up at what running back. What position does he play? He plays running back as well. So okay, he's like wow. a six foot four, 230 kid. I mean, he's going to be our short yardage specialist as well. So whether it is Nathan Carter, Jalen Berger, or Jaron Mangum, I think that's a good run game right there. So yes, I'm going to go with the two running backs for the transfer portal. And, you know, there's there's a, a good option too uh, at defense as well. If you want me to keep rambling, or I, I could. I was going to ask you out. about a defensive player, so you can go ahead and tell me about him too. Yeah, I'm going to butcher this guy's name for the 500th time. I think it's out of Texas A&M, Tumisay Adelaide. Ooh. God, I'm assuming I, I'm at least one syllable off there on his name, but he's a former five-star kid, former top 40 recruit at Texas A&M. 
comes up here and he could play anywhere on the defensive line, like interior pass rush guy. He could play the edge. Um, so that's just something great that, you know, a team can never have a shortage of on the defensive line, a guy that's a, a jack of all trades, but, oh yeah, he's also like six foot four, 240 pounds and just has a great build and can rush the quarterback. So yeah, I mean, to see Adelaide is going to be a fun one to watch. I'll definitely, definitely be keeping an eye on him. Uh, somebody that everyone's going to have to keep an eye on is um, Noah Kim. What do you, yes. I, I'm assuming, cause I, I heard you guys kind of hint at the fact that he may not be the starter. Is there still a competition in East Lansing? And to me, I always I went through this whole summer so far thinking that he is the guy. Now, for people who are listening, we are recording on June 21st. It's not going to come out until next month. So some things could still sure. happen, I guess, within the next month. But as of right now, June 21st, he's the starter, right? If, if Look, if the Central Michigan game kicked off tonight, it, it would be Noah Kim starting okay. at quarterback. But I do think it is a close competition. Like, I think it is maybe... 55% Kim, 45% Hauser. Um, now, the reason for that is that Caden Hauser, like he is the recruit that Mel Tucker and Jay Johnson, our offensive coordinator, were looking for. I mean, that, that's his recruit, whereas Noah Kim is just a holdover guy from the D'Antonio era. Okay. So if there's any sort of politics there, sure. But also just the physicality of Caden Hauser as well. He's a bigger build. He has the stronger arm. He has the, the stronger legs for the running ability as well. Well, that said, like if Noah Kim is named the starter, I mean, that, that shows that he just straight up earned it. You know, like they took the D'Antonio guy. They took this guy that when he did play last year was very fearless. And I know that's like a stupid cliche to use because everyone's fearless just for strapping up a helmet and playing football. But man, he did not look like a backup quarterback when he went in last year. Like he looked like a guy that was trying to get his in any way possible. He has live legs, you know, which there's a thin line between scampering out of a pocket too soon and being incorrect with your timing with your legs and also being smart with your legs. I think he was more towards that smartness with his legs. So, yeah, any way you slice it, I, I think Michigan State will be in good hands, relatively speaking, at quarterback. I don't think there's going to be much drop-off from Thorne to Kim or Hauser. And that's highlighted by the fact that Michigan State never even looked for a quarterback once Peyton Thorne left. It's not like, oh, my God, Thorne left. Crap, we only have Kim and Hauser. We hate these guys. These guys suck. We need anyone else. And, no, they, they saw Thorne leave and was like, well, sad to see you go, but I – great. We're not going to let anyone else fill this seat. It's just going to be these two guys because we're cool with it. So I, it, that is what, obviously, I mean, this is a very cold take. It, it's the thing I'm most fascinated to see when they come out to the field against Central Michigan is who's going to be the quarterback. And I think it is going to be a close race in, in fall once it starts. That's actually news to me. So I'm I'm interested to follow that the rest of the summer as well. Um, assuming yeah. that it is Kim, though, what's his ceiling? Like, can he throw five touchdowns in a game? Can he run for two? Like, what, what are we looking for? Because <laughs> A lot of fans that, especially from the casual side, they don't know who he is really yet because he hasn't had enough snaps. What are they expecting to see from him then on, on a great, like saying he's playing his best? Yeah, I mean, the only real look that we got him at was that Akron game last year in the second half. And yeah, he was you know, finding guys. And the, the fun thing, too, about the, the spring practice that was on Big Ten Network, open to the public, he had the best throws of any of the three quarterbacks that day. Now, did he also have like maybe some of the worst throws of that day? Like, sure, perhaps. Yeah. So I guess in the very end, what you're getting out of Noah Kim is sheer entertainment. Like he, he's going to throw on the run 25 yards downfield and put the ball on a dot, you know, put it right in the bread basket as well as he could miss a slant route by a, a smooth seven yards. But no, when he's at his best, yeah, I'm sure a multi-touchdown game isn't anything crazy to think about. Maybe throw on 30, 40 yards of rushing as well. So yeah, it's uh 
again, I, I, I am excited to see who's going to net out here because I'm, I'm oddly high on both these guys, even though like we haven't really seen them play against anyone outside of the Akron Zips last year. So I know. I do I feel know. like Noah has a better name because everyone calls him Noah him. Yes, absolutely. Like that, that's definitely yes. on his side right now. Yeah, and like you could do like Kate him Hauser, but like you really oh, got to force okay, your yeah, okay. yeah, but you you still got like force your brain into doing it. Uh, whereas like Noah him just rolls right off the yeah. tongue. So I mean, just and in the age of nil too, like shirts are gonna fly off the rack uh, because that's how people buy shirts still, not online or anything in a physical rack. Um, yeah, you print the Noah him shirts and like they'll they'll sell out by the time the Richmond game even comes along. In week I'm gonna two, make one. Be, I'm gonna right? make one this yeah. afternoon. Why not? Yeah, get, get a head start on it. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, you already talked about this guy a little bit, so I'm not going to re-ask you the same question. Uh, Jalen Berger, he's a, I'm a big fan of his. I thought he uh, had a good season last year, turned into almost a great season, especially towards the end. Um, I'll ask you a different question about him then. Is the offensive line going to be able to give him any holes once he does get the ball this year? I think so. Like This is a great, great sign for Michigan State fans. So last year in the spring, it was famously said they only had three healthy offensive linemen. And when you hear that, it's like, okay, like three healthy offensive linemen for spring ball. Like Who, who cares? We'll be fine by the fall. Uh-oh, it really seems like everyone's just trying to learn each other on the fly here. And uh, Jalen's trying to get instated into this new offense. And the offensive line is really trying to learn themselves to – Look, it was a disaster last year in the offensive line, especially early on in the season. There's a lot of depth and a lot of talent on the offensive line this year. And I'm not going to go as far as saying, like, oh, they're a top three unit in the conference. Like, no, they could probably be like a sixth or seventh best unit in the conference. But at the end of last year, when the team started to gel, is when Jalen Berger started playing his best. I think in the last four or five games, he was at 5.3 yards per carry in those games. And that was even after like a, a game where he really didn't play against Penn State. He had an injury yeah. issue he was dealing with. So that was even with a wasted game. He was still putting up pretty good numbers to end the season. So, yeah, start the year, his first seven games, I'm like, I don't really see it. This guy seems like a replacement level running back. And then, yeah, the last four or five games, uh, you start to see the vision there. Now what is going to be interesting is what's going to be the splits between the running backs. Right. Because I, I think it's actually Nathan Carter is going to be the starter here. And that's – I'm not saying that with like confidence. Like I think okay. if I had to choose, that's going to be him. So I think it'll be like uh, Nathan Carter gets 50% of the carries. Jalen Berger gets 40%. And then the other 10% goes like Jared Mangum and then any of the other guys. But yeah, I, I think he could just be a really, really good running back. And you can't have any shortage of that, especially for a Michigan state team that I think is going to be pretty run dominant this year. I mean, we'll have to wait and see if that's true, but yeah, I, I think that it's going to be a big season for Jalen Berger, even if he is the quote unquote second guy in the back. I don't think that, I think that people need to change their like mindset on how they look at who's the first and second anyways. Cause most teams are doing that yeah, all, all the way around the country. It's like you have two guys, you're going to use both of them. Um, we talked about defense. I was going to ask you just quickly, cause I want to jump into the schedule before I let you go. Sure. Is there a scenario if Michigan state plays perfect this year, that they win the East and they are the ones that are in Indianapolis at the end of the year. And how does that happen? Oh man, how does that happen? Oh God, you gotta plant a lot of drugs and <laughs> like felonious, like you a lot of felony your, evidence. <laughs> you said on your last show you were gonna be more positive. Yeah, that didn't last too long. Um, <laughs> we're gonna need to like plant some hard evidence for felonies in like Ann Arbor and Columbus and probably Happy Valley, uh, and that's a start. That's who I picked, by the way. I have Penn State win in the East. I I don't hate that at all, actually. 
I th- I still think it's going to be Michigan, unfortunately. But like a Penn State, I think oddly enough, a lot of people are sleeping on, which sounds stupid because like they are expected to be this great team, dude. I love their quarterback. They have two incredible running backs. Like they had that guy that was going to go in the top ten as an offensive lineman come back. Like so, yeah, Penn State's going to be great. So yeah, with that said, um, oh god, what has to happen for Michigan State to win the East? A lot of sanctions at a lot of different schools. I think that that's that's unfortunately going to have to be the case. Now, with that said, I still do think Michigan State can be better than they were last year. Like I think the defense can be better. Now, is that because it's kind of hard for them to? be worse than they were last year yeah i mean kind of but look the injury lock they had last year um it was not great they had 27 different starters play on defense throughout the season now was that the reason msu went five and seven no but is it a reason yeah it absolutely is so and again um just to reinstate this like i think michigan state will have one of the best fronts in the conference that front six that they have i think will be strong so <sighs> can they win the east with it Probably not, but I think we can make a bowl game, and that's enough for, for me to smile at least. So, yeah, that's that's what go. I got there. Well, one thing that I always do is stick by everything that I post online, even if I'm wrong. Um, yep. But another thing that I like to do is have people convince me that I'm wrong. I'm very open-minded. So, with that being said, my prediction okay. for you guys this year is 4-8 uh, and eight and 2-7 and seven in the conference. Oh, I wanted to say <laughs> – I, I, listen, I stand by it. I, I hate the accounts that say, like, Chat GBT said this. I'm gonna put it out and I'm sure. gonna stand by it. You know, <laughs> right? Um, so just, I think it'll be quicker for me to say the games that I think you guys are going to win. If I can get okay. my mouse over there, there we go. Um, okay. I have you guys winning. Oh, I had it pulled up. I know Who's I have you guys winning you? the first two games: Central Michigan and Richmond. Okay. Oh, it's right here. Okay, and then I have you guys winning uh, Rutgers and Nebraska. Okay. Oh God! And those well, are the ones. Now I will say that, all that, that is being nice said. Of you. <laughs> all that being said, there's a few games in there. Um, I hate Minnesota, so I think that you guys. I might even change my mind on that. Um, okay. And then there's also like Indiana, and the reason why I picked Indiana was because of last year. So. Yeah, I. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I Look, I can't argue that. I mean, like, yeah, I, and I'm one of these fans too that like just automatically assumes Indiana is a win, and like we still talk down in Indiana, like for, yeah. for what reason? Like we got punked by them last year at home with a 17 point lead at halftime. But yeah, what, I just so let's I gotta go through it real that. quick if you don't mind. Yeah, I'll be quick. I promise. Yeah, yeah. First no, four games: fine. Central, Richmond, Washington, and Maryland. How do you guys finish those first four games? Three and one, just because I am riding the high. It's like the perfect sweet spot of the offseason right now, where like I, I am thinking the highest I could feel about Michigan State. Like last year's Maryland game, not even on the top of my mind right now. So give me win against Central, win against the Richmond Spiders, lose to Washington, beat Maryland, even though I hate playing Maryland early in the season because, God, in the month of September, every year, Mike Loxley has those boys playing like a top 15 team in the yeah. country. But whatever, it's at home. Give me a win, I guess. You can tell I'm really convinced on this. Uh, but, yeah, give, give me a win against right. Maryland. Middle of the season is Iowa, Rutgers, Michigan, and Minnesota. I forgot to put if they're home or away, so I hope you have that pulled up. I got it in the top of my head, I believe. Okay, uh, cool. It's at Iowa, and uh, excuse me for not feeling too confident about that game. Look, I know Iowa had a horrendous offense last year, but they're going to have a really good defense next year. And, hey, the only way for that offense to go is up. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, it's also a game at Kinnick. Just a lot of great memories playing at Kinnick Stadium. So, no, I'm going to have that as a loss. Uh, the Rutgers game, I, I apologize, Rutgers Nation, but, like, I 
I'm going to have to see a reason for us to respect you before I actually do. So give me a win against Rutgers. Yeah. No, no comment on that Michigan game. And give me, yeah, you know what? Screw it. Give me the win at Minnesota. Why not? All right. Let's let's get nuts. I think that's so you guys are at five and three right now. And five then, and three, five and three. Yeah. So you need okay. a win at uh, against Nebraska, Ohio State, Indiana, or Penn State. That is a tough way to finish the season. It's not great. And the last home game there is Nebraska because we go to Ohio State, we go to Indiana, and then we play at Ford Field to end the season, which oh, yeah, has I heard about almost that. torn this fan base apart because I personally love the move. Uh, look, at our senior day games to end the season, it's always on Thanksgiving week. There's always 16 people in the crowd. Uh, so why not move it to Ford Field? You know, mix it up, whatever. You know, I could go on for days about that. But give me win against Nebraska. At home, okay. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to call me crazy here. Take a loss against Ohio State because they've beaten us like 500 to seven in the last three years combined. That's crazy. We're gonna beat That's Indiana a win for sure. <sighs> I just want to be close to covering the spread against Ohio State this year. That's that's all I ask for. Uh, give me a win against Indiana and then. <sighs> A loss against Penn State, and then everyone's going to cry and be like, oh, they should have played a Spartan Stadium. They would have won there. And it's like, no, that's actually not true at all. They probably still would have lost to Spartan Stadium anyway. So, yeah, that didn't that didn't feel good coming off the mouth that I'm saying, like, we're going to lose all four of those big four games against Washington, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. But uh, call me crazy for not being, like, too overly optimistic after a 5-7 and seven season, guys. Uh, so give, give me 7-5. and five. Give me at the yeah. guaranteed – Rate Bowl down in Jacksonville, or wherever they play it, or hey, you know what? Get nuts, uh, bang out eight wins, get to the Pop Tart Bowl. Like, oh, I mean, that'd be delightful. I, I would have a hoot and a half there. Oh man, that's great. That would be a good. I feel like I feel like seven and five. You have to consider that a good season after last year. I'd, oh, dude, I'd be elated for yeah. seven and five. Any the the the, the Surf Pro uh, First Responders Bowl. Like, I'd be over them. I'd be treating it like it's Pasadena. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Just give me a bowl game. Like this dude, is a very cu- tough you, schedule. You got me excited. I want to go now, dude. I'm coming. Oh, dude, I'm going. Yeah, it, the, I'm coming. The RL Carriers uh, New Orleans Bowl. Like, I, <laughs> as long as it has the word bowl at the end of it, I could not care less. Like, it's a very tough schedule. We have a lot of question marks going into this season. Just give me some. Just give me some ridiculous early December bowl game to watch, and I'll be a happy man. I'm, all right, one last question, then I'll let you go. This is from Wally, uh, my buddy Wally. Okay. He wanted to know uh, specific. I don't know if it's because he follows you or not, but um, I, I mean, I know he follows you, but I don't know if that's where he got this question from. He wanted to know what, if you can remember, what your worst take was of all time since you've been doing this. Oh yeah, that's a really good one. My worst take, because I've had some horrible ones. Uh, I'm not going to go too far back. Uh, it is before the season, saying you know. Uh, I'll just keep it short. I said Payne Thornton was going to play himself into the NFL draft last year. Uh, that, that is, and I, I think I quadrupled down on it too. Like I, it wasn't a one-off thing that I said, like in the third segment of a show, like I routinely kept beating that drum and like people would be like, Oh, well, how's he going to go with Kate Hauser? Is he going to transfer if he doesn't play in 2023 or will Thornton still have the job? I'll be like, huh, no, he won't because he will be in the NFL. He will be one of the top like I think I said like top eight quarterbacks off the board and um spoiler alert guys uh he did almost quite the opposite he played himself even further off the NFL boards than, than possible but that was still if not he, enough to convince what if, Auburn, he, not what if he goes off this year though and then he does get drafted you just pull up those takes and be like I told you yeah I called this yeah 100 percent I do yeah I mean 
Yeah, I've, I've had enough takes go awry where, like, I will work my way, mental gymnastics my way into being correct about that take. So <laughs> that's great. Yeah, All that, right. Um, thanks again. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on, talking uh, MSU football with us. Uh, tell everybody one more time where to find you if they want to hear more about the Spartans and uh, Michigan State football and basketball. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Sheehan underscore sports on Twitter. If you want to just see a completely unhinged person during game days, uh, it's, yeah, <laughs> come find me there. It's a, it's a hoot and a half or a, a cry for help. We'll let you decide. All right. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, this is great. Thanks a lot, man. His name is Matt Sheehan. He's on Twitter at Sheehan underscore sports. He's on YouTube. Locked on Spartans is the name of his podcast. You can listen to it. You can watch it. If you have a podcast listening app like Spotify, which is what I use, you can put it on in the car, drive around, and listen to Matt talk about the Spartans. I suggest that you do that if you're a Michigan State fan. Great show. Loved hanging out with Matt. A ball of energy. Man, this guy, I, I have to go to a game with him someday. That's just one of my goals. If I ever go to another Spartans game, which I plan to in the future someday, I'm going to see if Matt wants to hang out. And I think he will. Because I like drinking Fireball whiskey as well. That'd be a good time. Spartan Stadium? Little bottles of Fireball? <laughs> Tomorrow, making his podcasting debut is Jake Meyer. He's here to talk about the Wisconsin Badgers. Do they have a chance to win the West? I think so. He does, too. We're going to talk about it tomorrow. We'll see you guys in the future. Everything.